you ever drink beer in high school? Uh, no, not beer, but I do remember having a bag of mushrooms in my refrigerator. <laughs> and I remember you, you mentioned your dog. Yeah. I had a cat, and uh, my cat used to sneak into the refrigerator and he would steal the mushrooms. <laughs> and I, I said, no, and his name was Lewis. I said, Lewis, you can't do that. You can't yeah. do that. It's not right. <laughs> he ate them voraciously. He just loved them. It was like catnip to him. Uh. So, I, so I thought, well, what the heck? I better do it with him. And... <laughs> I remember lying in my bed for hours, <laughs> and Lewis was on the desk across from the bed for hours, uh -huh. staring at each other. <laughs> Not moving. Occasionally he would go, meow. But he would stare at me, uh -huh. and I had no doubt that he was my brother. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but having said that, I... Uh, I don't do any of that stuff anymore. <laughs> oh my God, that is that is such a story. It is a story, <laughs> and you know what? And the, and the other thing, later in life, when I was completely not doing any of that, mm -hmm. I know he said hi to me. <laughs> I, I used to work late. I would come home late from work, and and to give him a little treat, I'd, I'd bring him a little can of sardines, uh -huh. and he would start eating it and be like, and he'd make little sounds and let me know he enjoyed. He'd go meow 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 meow. Well, that's great. I'm really glad you like it, Lewis. Hi, Lewis. Hi. And he looked up at me and went. Hi. <laughs> wow. Shy's true story. Crazy evil. Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent, here with Kat, Kevin, and Dave. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hello. We're back. Finally back. Woo. Kat is back. Hello, oh, Kat. Hi. I missed you guys so much. You did not. I did, you too. Did not. Well, you missed us, taking, but you did not you miss did not the movies we watched or the episodes that we did some about holiday you. time. I feel like you've been maybe abusing these holidays. You took Christmas, New Year's, Flag Day, Boxing Day, <laughs> National Bulldog Day. You don't even have a bulldog. <laughs> They're cute, though. They're little meatballs. We're gonna I'm dig just... out. We're gonna dig out the uh, the HR manual. Oh, I am HR of yeah, here. We let's talked. Be honest. We talked about it one of the other many times you were gone this year, and I thought that you would end up working the holidays. I thought we could. The rest of us would be off. We could take some time off once the holidays just rolled cat. around, and it would, and you'd mm -hmm. have to pick up the slack. But you just took more time off. I mean, if you guys want me to go solo for a week or two. Good luck. That's the only thing that scares go. me about this podcast is the thought of you going solo. <laughs> I'm just glad you guys had an opportunity to get all the disgusting depravity out of your systems before I, I came I don't think back. I would be able to face you week after week in the last three that we just did. <laughs> I do not think I could. I definitely would have walked out. I would have walked out of my apartment and stopped watching whatever movies you guys watched because yeah, I yeah. tried listening to the episodes without me and i was like i don't really want to hear about poop anymore i'm all set it's like when someone shows you pictures you just flip through to the ones that you're in and they skip past all the exactly other yeah e even i must say i've i've kind of had enough just for now i will be back i'm sure but yeah I i'm happy to be out of the uh out of the filth bucket for a minute mm. uh what, what have people been watching uh, outside of what we're going to talk about this week anybody have any hot tips for us any recommendations outside of what we're going to talk about this week um i've been watching some 80s slashers that are like way under the radar i feel like what happens what's happening now in music where it's like super oversaturated i feel like the 80s was like that when vhs came out it, everything was super oversaturated and i feel like you know years from now we'll be discovering music that came out this year that we didn't even know about because five billion people put out music this year or movies too i mean it really extends to any uh art but I feel like the 80s, you just can't keep up with all the stuff that came out in that time. And I'm still watching stuff that either triggers some weird nostalgia, like, oh, my God, I saw this when I was seven and this scares me and it's not even scary. Or uh, stuff that I'm just discovering for the first time. So I watched a Bigfoot movie called Night of the Demon, not to be confused with Night of the Demons. Um, oh, that's the, there was an old, that's the, the fifties one, right? No, it's not quite that old. It's oh. early eighties, but it looks seventies oh. because they're cameras from the seventies. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like a made for TV movie from the eighties. 
Um, that was not great. I watched a movie called Girls Night Out, um, which uh, I believe that it's like when we watch some of the trauma stuff, like the Toxic Avenger, you could tell people are on cocaine because it's the 80s. Um, I felt like this movie, you could tell that the people acting were on cocaine. And then uh, today, uh, to unfavorable reviews from some of the other people, I put on um, uh, Death Spa, which mm-hmm. I thought was a very commendable slasher movie set in a health spa. Uh, so you have all the different things in the health spa, killing people, you know, exercise machines and and uh, saunas and tanning beds. Uh, so I really like that. And I've also been digging into some... Uh, I got some Spanish stuff for you guys coming up uh, that I've been trying to curate uh, a nice Spanish week of uh, some stuff. Uh, one that's kind of under the radar and one that's kind of mainstream and a little more fucked up than you'd expect a mainstream movie to be. Uh, but Kevin, you have been in quarantine. So I know you have. You said that your vision was all messed up, but did you watch any uh, extracurricular horror movies after our trilogy of filth? Yeah, well, during, um, I kind of had to fit these in there. Um, it was, I could watch, like, you know, the TV was far away, and that was fine. It was more like opening a laptop screen or, like, an iPad or, like, too much iPhone screen Anything work-related, really. Yeah, it was weird, yeah, any, <laughs> anything to do with work. Uh, but, no, yeah, I watched a lot, and um, during my time quarantining, I was leaning more towards some TV shows. So I watched... Dave had recommended, um, what is it, Station Eleven, the HBO Max show, right. which you know is like horror adjacent. It's definitely dystopia. Yeah, it's, it's heading there, um, and I I love that. I would def- definitely recommend that. I'm, I'm a few episodes behind now, but uh, in anticipation of the new Scream movie coming out this Friday, mm. well, on the day uh, this episode I bet you've been drops, watching every Scream movie. I in don't. Order. I don't need to watch the first one because. Other than the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and maybe E.T., I think that's the movie I've seen the most times in my entire life. Okay. So uh, my daughter and I started with Scream 2 and then went through Scream 3 and Scream 4. Uh, we're prepped for the new one coming out. I'm so excited. <laughs> I love the reviews or, you know, like the the non-spoiler reviews that are coming out. Uh, but one TV show that I watched uh, when I was quarantining is it's on I think Peacock or Paramount Plus is on one of like the the major networks. It's called Evil, and it's it's a good show. It's a good horror show, um, definitely dealing with like theology and science. Um, but the one of the lead characters uh, played by Katja Herbers. When I was looking the show up, she has a movie on Shutter right now called The Columnist, and it's like a black comedy. Um, it is about a reporter who starts getting a whole bunch of shit from people on social media. And, you know, she's a a mother, a wife, uh, seemingly very well adjusted. And she gets tired of all this and just goes out and decides that she's going to handle this herself. Uh, I would highly recommend it. It's a quick watch. It's like 80 minutes or something. Uh, It's on Shutter if you have it. Um, But it was it's so good. And she is awesome in both the show Evil and in this movie. Uh, It's incredible. So. That's what I've been up to. This week, talking about <laughs> Nicolas Cage. Woo! <laughs> to step away from the realm that we've been in for the past uh, few weeks, wanted to get uh, a little bit more mainstream, maybe. I don't know if I would call either of the movies we're going to talk about this week mainstream. We call him Nick. Mm. No stranger to the horror film. We talked about the movie Mom and Dad from a few years ago, which I really liked. I think I liked it more than you guys. Um, oh, I we, love that one. I love that too. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay. Uh, with uh, Selma hey. Blair also. Um, we've mentioned the Wicker Man remake that he was in <laughs> with Real Bad. We didn't really get into that. Uh, and he's done some others, particularly in the past few years. He's been really on a roll with, with horror and like horror adjacent or like sort of horror. So we're going to talk about a couple straight out full genre horror movies that Nick has done very recently, beginning with, I guess we're going to start with The Color Out of Space. Mm-hmm. Do I have to set up <laughs> both movies? Yeah, I your... didn't know I had to set up both movies. Yeah, right. well, you would have oh, known fuck. that if you listened okay. to any of the past three episodes. Okay. Let me get the manual. Wow. I got it. Okay. <clears throat> 
Kevin. Okay, real quick. Like, why did you look to Kevin? Because I like, thought why, he Kevin's was gonna throw you a lifeline. I, I thought he got. <laughs> I didn't pick this one. It doesn't matter. If you All want right. a lifeline, I'll Kevin's give you one. Kevin's always surprised nope, when he has to set up his own picks. I'm on it. Set up yours. Deathline. We gotta have that. I like to use a deathline. All right. Color of Space, uh, directed by... the title, first of all. Color oh. Out of Space. Oh, fuck. Great. Would be the title of this oh. one. Off to a tough start. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> this couldn't have gone any better, actually. Color Out of Space, uh, from Richard Stanley, uh, directing an H.P. Lovecraft a short story. This film is about Nicolas Cage and his uh, beautiful little family. They live on his uh, f- dead father's farm. Um, his wife has recently um, had uh, a cancer situation. I think uh, they she had like a, a mastectomy or something like that. She's recovering from this procedure, working from home. Uh, Nicolas Cage is really horny for alpacas, apparently. He's got all these little, you know, animals rolling around. He's trying to play farmer, keep his little cute little family together. One evening, a meteorite comes from the sky, lands on their farm, and uh, shit gets weird. It gets a little, there's a lot of colors. I honestly did not really know what was going on for most of it, if I'm being honest. Um, I was constantly a little uh, concerned and confused. I know it's supposed to be, you know, spacey and trippy and Lovecraftian and whatnot. But I, I, you know, I just really wasn't feeling this one. Maybe just because compared to the other film this week, um, I held in such high regard after watching it for the first time. Um, uh, at first, I was like, okay, Space Meteor. It's going to mess with this cute little family. I'm down. Like, I'm down for some aliens. But then the fusing scene happened um, for me. And uh, I was just like, no, no, thank you, please. Um in a human centipede kind of way, I really just didn't really want to watch it anymore. I think that kind of body horror just really, uh, really messed with me. Maybe it's because I took a few weeks off and I didn't have to watch any depravity for a little while. I don't know. It just didn't really seem interesting to me, like the whole plot. I think it could have been a shorter film. It was like two hours long. This is a short story from H.P. Lovecraft. I don't know. I did like Nick Cage. You know, we got to experience some, a little bit of Cage rage in this. Um, love the cute little Tommy Chong cameo. Um, G-Spot, the pussy cat, was a cute little character. Um, the, so the acting itself was great. I just maybe I'm just not really into Lovecraft as a person slash writer. I did see his grave when I went to Providence. Oh wow, that's <clears> exciting. It was, a, it was about as interesting as this movie was. Oh, it just says like I am Providence or something. Yeah, it's just a it's, yeah, it's just a patch of ground. I wouldn't exactly. What do you want? Nothing. But I just don't know what it. They never really explained what it was. What what was uh the color out of uh, the color of the space? I don't know the name of the film. Uh, was it radiation? Was it alien sickness? Was it bad drugs? <laughs> Who knows? Who cares? Not me. I will say <laughs> it was a visually appealing film. The colors were nice. The nature shots were cool. Other than that, I'm just really happy to be back this week, you guys. Yeah. Yeah. So Trent and I were texting a little bit about this movie, The Color Out of Space, and we were talking about how we were looking forward to watching it again because both of us had sort of watched it maybe not paying full attention to it. Because I know I had watched this before, and I'm using air quotes. I had watched this before mm-hmm. in a very distracted... You know how you watch movies now. You, you, you've <laughs> really come yourself. clean about like all the things you do. I was mowing the lawn. While you're <laughs> <laughs> shoveling the driveway, like shoveling with one hand and my iPhone's in the other. Um, but this one, no, I, I really had... I felt the same way that you did. So I'm sad for you that you only get to watch this the one time. Mm. because upon a second viewing with my full attention, this movie is great. Uh, You mentioned the acting's good, and I think that there's a lot of depth here. I agree with you, Kat. H.P. Lovecraft is a very difficult character that Mm. has so many movies, and I mean, I'm wearing my reanimator shirt tonight. Um, There's so many adaptations that are beloved by the horror community, but he's a very difficult character to go back and, and 
read about and understand. I mean, he was a horrible racist. He was yeah, not, not great. a great dude. Uh, this story was written in 1927, uh, which is insane. Um, but for me, uh, you mentioned the acting. And this is a like a rare modern horror movie where you have a huge star or at least a recognizable actor like Nick Cage. And then he's surrounded by very lesser known actors. And I loved it. I loved everybody in the family. I love the pacing of this movie, the fact that this meteor lands in their on their farm, and the wife, like you talked about, Teresa, played by Jolie Richardson, which we talked about in the Event Horizon uh, space episode that we did. Um, she's really the only other, other than Tommy Chong, uh, recognizable person in the film. But like just the fact that like the meteor lands, Nick Cage is trying to farm and grow peaches and things and she's like a day trader or something and she's trying to get like wi-fi out at this farm and like the slow way that they have this meteor start to affect not just the land but the animals and the water and then the people um i love it uh i i don't think that you're right and that we don't totally get i think we get full cage rage in this one oh yeah um yeah, it's just not for like times. that as long. It's not for that long. It's not like a continuous rampage of cage rage. No, but this um this is one that uh, I think if you looked it up a little bit, you would maybe be a little trepidatious about liking it, knowing that uh, it's Lovecraft, who is questionable. Richard Stanley, Hatecraft, who is uh, questionable. It's more like <laughs> Richard Stanley's questionable. Yes. So Richard Stanley. Um, this is the first movie that he had done in like 20 something years. Island of Dr. Moreau? Since he was, was booted off of oh. Island of Dr. Moreau. He was kicked off of that. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, okay. And uncredited. Um, and this oh. Colorado Space was supposed to be a Lovecraft trilogy from Stanley. Yeah, I saw that. And yeah. as they were ramping up for the second film, his partner, who co wrote Colorado Space with him, uh, came forth with domestic abuse allegations. Oh, and, wow. Uh, no. RLJE, his production company, XYZ Films, everybody just cut ties with him. Huh. So Stanley went from like a 25-year hiatus to a big comeback to being canceled pretty fast. Mm. Oh. Um, but anyway, I mean, before I pass it on to Dave and we can kind of like go around the room a bunch, I enjoyed the hell out of this movie the second time watching it and really paying attention to it. Um, it's a slow burn. It is long. But I feel like when it really gets going that there are there's so many really clever things that the actors, the writers that Stanley did that pay homage not just to other Lovecraft, Lovecraft things that we know, um, you know, like the Necronomicon shows up. Um, but there's also just really great homages to The Thing and to The Fog and to a bunch of other movies that like we all know and love. Um, this movie is one of the most... I was telling Dave earlier before we started recording, this movie is so researchable that I got bored and decided to just stop researching it because I would literally talk for 40 minutes tonight about all the Easter eggs and things that are put in this movie that are just very subtle and very clever. And I appreciate that as a horror fan. And I don't want to come off as like some know-it-all. Like right now, we're watching it right now, just the Miskatonic University shirt that Ward is wearing is a callback to Reanimator. Um, wow. So there's well, a lot, a lot well, into well. this movie that you can like really dig huh. into. Um, but like Kat said, there's also a lot that I found like very emotional in terms of the family. There's a lot to dig into here. I think in the dynamics of watching a family completely fall apart into your point that I will agree with Kat. You don't even know why. But there's a family being like ripped apart mm-hmm. for no, they never explain it to you. So yeah. anyway, Dave. Uh, I, I was calling this um, alpaca lips now <laughs> <laughs> because you have alpacas that go wild and they turn all, they become one giant. I don't know if you guys know about the rat king. The rat king, a bunch of rats mm-hmm. get all tangled together and they, they travel around as one giant bundle of rats. That's what happens when these fusings happen is you get stuck with, like if it were to happen here, we would all be globbed together, which I would cherish. 
<laughs> who would be who would be the head? We'd all have heads. Who would direct? Who would direct? Here we are. We're being. back at the human centipede again. No, trying no. To, <laughs> uh, not it. Um, <laughs> well, I'll take. I'll be the head. <laughs> who, who's the caboose? <laughs> yeah. Is the more important question. <laughs> well, um, that would I, be that would be me. Uh, this this oh. movie did not. I watched it twice, and neither time did it hit. I couldn't exactly describe why it didn't fully hit for me. But uh, I I love Nicolas Cage. I thought he was great in it. It wasn't his fault. Um, but uh, like like I love his evolution, like as an actor, because he started out as like the really awkward nerd in everything that he played in like his twenties, and then his thirties somethings, uh, he was just kind of like sad and depressing. He was like winning and, and then his Academy 40s, Awards. Well, right, then, like. that's true. But I mean, his characters. In his forties, he was like the this hulking action hero, right? He's and then many now incarnations. we're yeah. in the the era that I like the best, uh, besides for the nerd one way back, uh, is like the horror ab- absurdist weirdo movies. Like, I feel like he takes scripts uh, and signs on to to movies that kind of make them happen. Probably like as soon as Nick Cage decides he's going to do a movie, that brings some of these movies to life um and i think this movie could have been better i think it's cool that they did a uh hp lovecraft thing because he's one of the horror guys and the cosmic horror and there was really great body horror in this i love all the stuff the pets got uh fused together and all this crazy stuff and they they had this glowing uh magenta magenta skin um which was all kind of you know, it was all kind of great. There was no bad special effects. There's nothing that I absolutely hated. Um, but just something about the pacing of this movie didn't quite do it for me. I wanted to like it so much, and it did keep my attention. But it kind of reminds me of, uh, I don't know, it's it's almost too much of a family movie. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Okay. I agree. I like that. I liked that about it, though. I've, I've changed my mind on this a couple times. I saw this in the theater and I didn't really know what to make of it. And I, I don't know. I, I wasn't, what theater? Like the Nick? This was the at the Nick. Nick. I remember you told me nice. about Yeah. And I wasn't really sure what I thought. And then, so I was excited to revisit it. And then I watched it again. And I was like, oh man, this is great. That was, after that was when I talked to you, Kevin. I, ha- I had already seen it again. Uh, and then I watched it again after that. And then I changed my mind again. Uh, I don't think this is not. I don't. I don't like this movie. I don't think it's very good. There are things that I really like about it. It's not. It's not a terrible movie by any by any means. But um, I think it was like done kind of wrong. And I think that Nick Cage has the right idea in this because, especially the setup, like the first half of this movie, it comes off to me like um, kind of a budget TV show, like from the aughts or something. Like this is like budget Gilmore Girls. It feels like or something. Except that Nick Cage is doing this, like, I don't know, he kind of seems like, because they're, now, they're living at his dad's cabin, they moved there, not a cabin, but his, like, place in the woods, they moved there because of the cancer that his wife has, and I think that, Kat, you mentioned, like, the the point, I, I think the point that's, like, not being made that well here is that it's supposed to be some sort of, like, parallel, the color out of space is supposed to be kind of like a parallel to the cancer, and that's what's tearing, what's tearing the family apart is, oh, okay. is that the mother is dying of cancer, and and that's kind of supposed to be, I think, like some kind of metaphor with the color out of space. And and that's what's disintegrating the family. And I was interested to read that um, Richard Stanley made this movie in part because his mom died of cancer. And they used to read the color out of space together. Like he would read H.P. Lovecraft to her. Okay. So I think that's one of the things that isn't really that clear when you watch this. Because the tone is like, I don't know. Yeah. Again, I just thought it was like TV... But then Nick Cage is acting like he's in like a, a camping movie with John Candy or something like the whole time. He's doing this like black comedy kind of vibe to everything, but he's the only one doing it. So he's kind of like, I thought he was not that much different than than he is in Mom and Dad, but everyone yeah. around him is being like super like dramatic like TV style. And it's like, I don't, what's going on with this movie? It's kind of weird. Uh, once it kicks in. I think once things start going crazy, then it doesn't really matter so much, like, because everything is going so crazy. I, I did like, you know, once the, the cell phones aren't working and um, once they start losing track of time, 
Like they don't know if it's been an hour. I like that part of it. That was really scary. I thought that kind of started to get scary. Like I have anxiety dreams about like your phone stops working. You can't call people and stuff like that was scary. And they're like, I don't know how long it's been. Did I take the alpacas out or not? How many times have I taken (laughs) them out? You know, that was like very trippy, you know? Um, But I I thought that my, my prescription for this movie would have been not to necessarily cut it down because the story needs some time. Like you can't really... Can't just do this story. I don't think in eighty minutes. Like it's not that easy, but I just think it should have been done differently. I would have started this movie with a family asleep all through the house in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Boom! The comet, the meteor, whatever it is, comes down, and boom! That would have disrupted everything. Title card, and then I would have gone like right from there instead of all this like I don't know. Um, this is on Shutter. Uh, I don't. I think it's worth seeing. Well, I mean, we've talked about this before. We talked about the beach house. Very I think, similar. I, I think it was the Patreon. That, yeah, and that was a great. That was a great like sa- indie. Based yeah. on the same thing. Yes. We talked but about there, the beach house. Yeah, we did. Yeah, that was one we all did. Yeah, yeah. But there was also the creep show. Yeah, Jules. Uh, Stephen King. Undeniable uh, similarity to Creep Show and Tommy Knockers. I found out. I was watching this and I was thinking, like, this oh, reminds good me call. of. I w- when I was watching it, I kept thinking, this seems like a Stephen King adaptation or something. And then I, I read later that um, Color Out of Space was one of his influences for the Tommyknockers, which great I did. Book. I've read Terrible that. movie. Yeah. Great, great book. Terrible um, movie. Very similar story. So that makes sense. Uh, well, I mean, I think I'm going to disagree with all of that and say that that's why I think it's good is the family element is good. So the stuff that you're talking about, Trent, where you're like, eh, it's a little like Gilmore Girls or whatever. I think that's what makes this work. I connected to every single one of these characters. Like, I loved Lavinia, the daughter. And, you know, so Nick Cage, you know, Nathan Gardner, which, I mean, haha. Right. The, the last name is Gardner. Gardners. Yeah, the Gardners. <laughs> um, and Teresa, the, the mom and dad. Um, they have Lavinia, their daughter. They have Benny, their son. And they have Jack, who is their young son. Um, I thought every single one of these people absolutely killed it. Um, And like, you know, the scene where things are really going bad and Lavinia is carving like Uh. farthic runes into her body, uh, which harkens back to like Midsummer, like that's the language that they were speaking there. Like there were just a lot of like really good scenes. There's a scene where like, Nick Cage is going Nick Cage and being over the top, which you're saying you liked about this. And in the movie, you know, his wife, Teresa, is seemingly oblivious most of the time. I mean, there's a, a vegetable chopping scene. Oh. Classic vegetable chopping. Really good. Yes. It's really yes. well done. It's, it is cliche. It's been done, but it's good. You, you but have to have scene, that. Sure. There's a scene where he comes into the house and he is screaming and going cage rage and is like, that fucking smell because there's that ever since the meteor landed like there's this smell that like nobody else is acknowledging except for him and he's like it smells like the inside of like the the ward where like my dad died of cancer and you should know more yeah. about cancer oh, like it's, that was brutal there's that some like really really powerful scenes yeah. that are i think maybe lost a lot along some of the imagery that stanley was like very well pulling off like to your point dave there are no bad effects in this and everything but like it may be a little bit too cut up and stylized to get some of the emotion emotional scenes um but watching it a second time giving it my full attention Trent, maybe you did yourself a disservice by watching a third time. I should have just stuck with the second um, time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but the second time, I pulled a lot of threads out of this. Uh, and to be honest, I had read a little bit, Trent, about how, uh, like, where Stanley was coming from and where some of, you know, maybe Lovecraft's story was being uh, twisted a little bit away from some of his original things. Um, but I, I don't know. I thought that this was. I thought this was good, and I'm never the guy that's like, I want to sit down and watch a two-hour movie. And I agree with you, man. Like, you couldn't have shortened this up. You couldn't have taken anything out of this. Yeah. and, yeah. and you made just could have done it better, in my opinion. I think the only yeah, way, the way you do this movie better is you go full Spielberg with it. Like, it was, it was not quite family-friendly as Close Encounters, but it wasn't like, there was only, there was a few body horror parts, but you barely saw them. You know, I felt like it could have gone one way or the other. Yeah. Like either go more family and have me actually care about the whole family and what's going to happen or mm-hmm. 
just make it a splatter fest. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and like when, when I compare it to like family TV, I, I just mean in terms of the production, the way that it looks and the acting performances. No, the that, opening, I don't mean that, you know. The opening with her on the horse doing the Wiccan yeah, spell or whatever. That was straight. Yeah, that, what a little uh, bit the craft. No yeah, offense, Kat. Very, hey. Hey, that was my favorite part of the movie, basically. I was like, oh, fuck yeah, this is going to be great. When no. he's like, was that Wiccan or Alexandrian? Oh, fuck off. I don't even know what the, in, any of that means. Anyway. Um, they should have gone on a picnic, a pack of lunch. Maybe I could have done with a nice second watch for this one, because I feel like if I had picked up on all that, you know, the nuances, if you will, of, you know, the the You didn't even catch the, the title. <laughs> yeah, apparently. <laughs> I've been doing too many dabs lately. It must be what's happening. Sorry. I don't know. Maybe if I had picked up on all these subtle things, like maybe if it had drawn me in a little bit more for me to want to pay more attention to what was going on, then perhaps I would have appreciated the film a bit more. One thing that I loved that Nick Cage did in this that I didn't catch right away is that there's a scene early in the movie where he does an impersonation of his deceased father, um, like berating him, like putting him down. And he kind of does this voice like that's what his dad was like, saying that he's a loser and he'll never be a painter and this and that. And then later in the movie, when he starts like freaking out and he's doing more of his cage thing because the, the color has like gotten to him, it's, it's affecting everyone. They start acting weird and he starts having these like these uh, outbursts of rage and stuff. He, I, I noticed, I was wondering like, why does he like keep doing this kind of like accent when he gets mad? He's, he almost takes on this kind of weird accent when he's yelling at them. He's doing his dad. It's the same accent oh. he used for his dad Ooh. in the beginning of the movie. That. Good That's Good why, cut. because he's like turning into his dad. There's just, I think there's a lot of that stuff in this that I think is a little bit lost because I don't know. Right. I didn't think it was executed that great, but. Um, I thought think, that was cool. Do you think it wasn't executed great because of Nicolas Cage or because of the- No, everyone the, else. The, every, okay. Everyone. <laughs> okay. I'm just I think, curious. I think everyone should have acted more like Nick Cage, and I think it shouldn't have tried to be so serious. I would have leaned into his his instinct was to go more black comedy, and that's what I would have done. I this. think they did, though. I really think they did. I think that, like, you know, Jolie Richardson as Teresa, I think she did that a bunch. Like, I thought that her scene with the- with the finger chopping, with the vegetable chopping, I thought that was but great. We, we've seen that. Like, if somebody goes into the kitchen and they start no. chopping real hard and they chop harder and faster and harder and faster and they get a dazed look in their eyes, mm-hmm. look out because they are about to chop off their yep. fingers. We knew going to happen, but I thought that like literally the scene where she turns around and is like, dinner's ready. Like, she holds up the that fingers. That was a really good good performance yeah, I thought Lavinia you know, had a bunch like of performance that. I thought Lavinia had a bunch of good scenes like that mm, the, I didn't the carrots, love her. you know you know it's not uh good in continuity there those are raw chopped carrots dinner is certainly not fucking ready <laughs> <laughs> I mean she's gonna so like dice some smaller if they're gonna be in a salad. salad I did enjoy how the color starts taking over the landscape around the house and it starts small with like the little like, um, is it magenta? Is it Kevin? Is that the color here? Magenta. Yeah, all these flowers uh, start blooming around the house, and, and gradually the whole landscape around the house starts turning magenta, just like the vegetation. I thought that was creepy. I, I thought there were a lot of good things about it. Um, I thought one thing that was weird the daughter, what, what's her name? Lativia? Lavinia. Lavinia. Didn't you think she was a little young for the surveyor guy? Yep, that was weird. That was weird. I mean, that guy's hot. She's supposed to be like 16, though. Yep, I get and it. The, like the surveyor guy comes around to, to survey the water, and she's like taking him by the hand and leading him around. Like and, smooch and, or and anything? And her mom is like, oh, you have a crush on that. You know, there's that whole scene. That was odd. Yeah, that was like some slut shaming that was going on mid-show. Mid mm. Yeah, I didn't get that. By I, the parents, yeah. but I thought like the movie was actually making a good point about how um, somebody like a character like Ward, who is clearly older. That's that's the guy, the survey guy. Yeah, um, could protect and care for someone like Lavinia in a non-sexual way. I don't think he was trying to get into her pants. Well, she she has a copy of the Necronomicon. We've talked about yes. that, and, and yeah. I've seen that that copy, the little paperback Necronomicon thing. That that was like by the time I was old enough to, to see that I was I wasn't interested anymore. But okay. she has a copy of the Necronomicon. She's doing these rituals. She starts cutting herself all up at one point, which doesn't bother her for the rest of the movie. After that, somehow I guess that she's in the the grip of the the color or whatever, so she doesn't care that she's 
you know, done this. No, um, she's like actually carving spells into her to protect yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. Just a couple like uh, little little things. Uh, Ward Phillips that we talked about. He's the, uh, what, hydrologist that you talked about. Um, HP actually uh, stands for Howard Phillips. Howard Phillips Lovecraft. So Ward Phillips. Mm. Ah, um, okay. It was one of the more like big, there's a ton of Easter eggs, like I said in this, yep. uh, that goes to... Um, Goes to Lovecraft, um, uh, his past. Uh, Colin Stetson did the music for this. We've talked about him because he did the music for Hereditary. And uh, he's a multi-instrumentalist uh, that we talked about in the Hereditary episode. And he's done a ton of stuff. He's worked with like Bon Iver and a ton of artists. But he also did the music for the New Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which comes out on February 18th on Netflix. So I think we're all pretty... Uh, excited you might be (laughs) we're anticipating it I've noticed that um, Fede Alvarez's name has diminished gradually over time we'll we'll talk about that later yeah 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 nobody has mentioned Tommy Chong Tommy Chong was fantastic in this I mentioned Tommy Chong I mentioned it I mean he was fantastic in this I liked his final scene the rest my favorite thing about Uh, Tommy Chong in this movie he plays a a squatter that's on their land out in the woods he's a super hippy dippy like ultra hippie guy out in the woods living off the grid and he's kind of a little bit of a harbinger in this but he's such a hippie that he calls coffee Java. <laughs> not not one time, but twice in the movie. Very like, do you guys want some Java, man? Like, oh, he's a hippie. I get it. I remember all my life Raining down as cold as ice Shadows of a man A face through a window Crying in the night The night goes in just another day Happy people pass my way My real pick for Nicolas Cage week this week was Mandy Fuck yeah. uh, This is a Thanos Cosmatosis 2018 Psychedelic Tale of a quiet logger named Red and his wife Mandy, who lived the life of serenity in their dream cabin in the woods. That is, until the leader of a deranged cult titled the Children of the New Dawn becomes enamored with Red's wife. The cult then kidnaps and terrorizes the couple, leaving Red spiraling into madness. The psychedelic journey goes full grindhouse as Red, armed with a battle axe and an array of drugs that he finds at his fingertips, goes on a violent rampage. And enacting? Nope. Yep. Exacting. Exacting his revenge on the cult in the most gruesome of waves. I'm upset that I've gone the three years since this film has been released without seeing it. Mm. If I'm being honest with you guys, I know I can be honest and open in this safe space. Yes, yes. To be honest, my ex uh, was always trying to get me to watch this movie. And then it got to the point where we started the podcast and I'm like, okay, now I'm not watching it specifically so I can save it for the pod. And I'm very glad that I did. then, when I had free reign to choose this week after the Depravity uh, trilogy that everyone just experienced, I knew what I had to do. So now, I have finally watched Mandy, and yes, I absolutely loved it. It was just the amount of revenge and rampage that I was looking for. Nick Cage fucking killed it in this one, especially during my favorite scene, the booze chugging and screaming scene, mm. which I feel like we've all related to. Um, you can just feel his torment. This is definitely one of my favorite uh, recent uh, Nicolas Cage roles, for sure. Obviously, the cult leader character, Jeremiah, is a trash person. who uh, He seems like the kind of guy who can't get laid normally, so he had to start an LSD sex, sex cult in order to uh, get some. That works. And it works. Works for him. Works for other people. Uh, his whole scene with Mandy in the house reminded me of that quote about when it comes to the opposite sex, men's biggest fear is that women will laugh at them and women's biggest fear is that men will kill them, which I think is accurately depicted in this, uh, in this movie for sure. And then there's the trippy 
editing of their faces overlaid upon one another. Um, it's very cool, very unnerving, but very like mesmerizing at the same time. I feel like all the editing in this was was great. Um, I basically just wish I had taken drugs before watching both of the movies this week. I think mm. that was my big downfall. I only did weed. I only did the marijuana. Um, so I feel like I really could have hit it a little bit heavier. But all the chainsaw fights and gore and knife penises were great. It was just a really well done drug-fueled rampage. And I just really loved it. I love this movie Woo! so much. I loved it the first time. And I was excited to see it again. I love it even more now. I kind of like lived in this movie for a couple of days. This reminded me a lot of one of my favorite movies or series of movies, the Mad Max movies of the early 80s. This reminded me of like Mad Max meets Hellraiser on acid. I loved the Black Skulls. The gang, the crazy acid biker gang. that, That was the Hellraiser part to me. They were like the Cenobikes. If you just put Pinhead on a bike, that mm-hmm. first scene when they show up and, and it's showing them uh, like in the dark and they're all on their like four wheelers and motorcycles and stuff. And it shows the guy who's like all spikes. I was like, what? Is, He's all spikes. What is going on? <laughs> Man, this is so good. I just love how it creates its own universe where the black skulls really exist and this um this cult the children of the new dawn really exist and they're all out this is like supposed to uh, i think take place on the west coast or it's in california right the smoky uh, mountain i think it's like upper northwest utah no it's it's no it's california because the mountains the that they name the mountain range is real it's not the smoky uh, mountains what are they where does it rough. the title card says um Shadow Mountains. Shadow Mountains. Thank you, Dave. Thank you. Yeah, Come the Shadow through. Mountains are real. Yeah, they're in California, so it all takes place out there. Um, I love the 80s vibe, like late 70s. It's supposed to take place in 83. Mm-hmm. You have Ronald Reagan on the radio doing his whole speech about like pornography and stuff. And you have that amazing house where they live out in the middle of the woods that's like so 70s. It's just like all like that kind of uh, that color wood and like windows and stuff. I don't, I don't know what, what more I can say other than I love this movie. Well, I did not like this movie the first time I saw it. I thought that it was like all style and no content. And then this time when I watched the movie, I feel like you, you kind of either have to like submit to its, its pace and its vibe and its aesthetic because it's completely different than anything you've seen. Uh, it's even different than uh, what's it, Panos? Panos. Uh, Cosmatos. Yeah, he did uh, the, the Black Rainbow movie there, which is yeah, kind of similar style. Beyond the Black Rainbow, it's kind of similar stylistically. This is obviously like much bigger production, um, but this time I watched it, I absolutely loved it. Uh, there's nothing consistent or continuous stylistically, but that's what I liked this time. It was like. Uh, where everything is stylized and every scene is its own statement. So rather than watching it for like continuity between scenes and any kind of, you know, thing that makes you comfortable, you just have to go into that world. And I read a thing uh, about this director that he used to do uh, when he first started writing when he was a kid that I really connected to. Uh, as he said, he'd go to video stores and his parents wouldn't let him rent the movies. So he would just look at the cover and he would imagine what the stories were based on the title and the artwork on the cover. And I used to do that uh, when I couldn't afford CDs. And I would go to the record store and I would really want to get the new album uh, by you know the Red Hood Chili Peppers when it came out. And I couldn't imagine what it was going to sound like. And then uh, I would read the song titles and I'd go home and I'd think about them and I would come up with these ideas of what the songs would be uh, and they would never be as good as, uh, <laughs> and like the r- real song was never as good as what I had imagined it would be. So um, much like It Follows, I took this as like this dreamlike state or this like imaginary state, um, almost like a, a Wes Anderson movie that, that creates a world that's like slightly off kilter from reality but 
you don't have to suspend your disbelief that much. It's yeah. not, not yeah. too too extreme uh, as far as you know believability. But yeah, I, I thought it was great this time. I loved how the different chapters were separated with these really cool like title cards. Like it was like yeah yeah. Uh, it, Love that. It's very like I don't know like music video in a good way. It's very rock and roll uh, and. Um, we had talked earlier about the quote in the beginning um, by the death row inmate. Um, there's lots of little things in this, um, including the cult leader's penis, mm. which I was surprised. I thought that that was why people I, I'm so confused about cults now that I'm learning from you guys about well, <laughs> masculine inadequacies and all this stuff. That like I thought that he would have a large penis, and that's why the people would want to follow him. But he has a small penis, and he's insecure, he's, and he's shitty. I, he's probably a grower, not a shower. He, yeah, and he oh. just makes them listen to his records all the time. Oh my god! I yeah. like that part. That, that, that reminded that me was, of me. That reminded <laughs> yeah. me of me. Hey babe, listen to this. It was a very you Charles like Manson <laughs> situation for sure. <laughs> the carpenters are good. This is even better. Oh, me. I love that part. I love that part. This is one of the um, most simplest plots that we've ever covered on the show. Well, that's the thing about revenge is it's, it right. sets a stage for like a, lo- a lot of times the movie revenge that we watched recently uh, also was stylized like crazy. And I think we're, it's such a simple plot. You know what's going to happen basically, or you know what they're going to try to do. And from there, it's like you just sit back and you watch it unfold and you know, if it's a revenge story, there's not going to be some crazy twist or whatever. It's just going to be people yeah, going it's, at it. It's Red and Mandy. It's Andrea Riseborough as Mandy, which we talked about in Possessor, which is one of our top movies of uh, 2020. There's definitely some backstory there. There's some things they're hinting at. And like we're watching the movie now. And uh, Linus Roach that plays Jeremiah Sands is, is horrible. He's horrible in this. It's one of those... Uh, performances where you're never going to look at this character again or this actor again and not think of how horribly he is if you've seen Manny. It's very stylized. It, this is a heavy metal. This is a, a metal horror movie. Definitely. Like, this yeah, is definitely. like if you wanted to watch a movie and listen to Slayer at the same time, Yeah, that's Mandy. There's even that title card, the, the title card that's Mandy uh, it, it turns slayer, into yeah. like a black metal Exodus. logo. Yep. And yeah, it doesn't yeah. even come in until an hour and like 15 minutes into the movie, which I love. Um, Dave, you mentioned like you didn't like the pacing of Colorado Space, but I think that the pacing of Mandy is actually very similar to the Colorado Space. And you don't get a whole lot into Mandy. Like you don't really get a whole lot of action until an hour into this, which is yet another two hour long movie. Um, I think you get better rage cage in this one for sure. For obvious reasons. Um, the dude has some really fucked up things done to him and the love of his life. And then somehow he now knows how to smythe and he knows how to, uh, hunt down, um, Cenobites. Wait, did you say he knows how to what? Smythe. Is that, he, ma- is that like, sword making? You mean yes. smith? <laughs> because that, that was a great part. Yeah, and he and he does it just in sunglasses. He, he doesn't have to wear like a, a hey. shield. I don't think you can do that. It's the Just 80s. wearing sunglasses. No. I think you have to wear. No, like I a, mean, this movie right? is an acid trip. I don't know. <laughs> I know, but these hippies that live out in the middle of nowhere, I've, I've seen these people and they're likely to be like, hey, let me show you something, brother. I make swords in the back. <laughs> like, it totally, like, yeah, yeah, but you make went bombs, back there but check out like, what else I made. They were like, it. I'll smoke you up back here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, and by the way, swords. let me show you my sword making. <laughs> yeah, it's like, all right, bro. Cool. How the fuck do these cults get started? Who follows this well, he, dude? He only has like five followers. But how it's do you, a small cult. It's very, it's, very, I mean, it's very Manson-esque for sure. Yeah. Like he yeah. plays a song. He's basically bitter that the record companies didn't want to make him famous so he's somehow amassed this group of like four to five people i've had people ask me to be in cults before no i, I have uh, m- multiple times multiple? i had neighbor, i had neighbors that escaped from two different cults they were they're a husband and wife what yeah 
And but they they weren't even the ones that asked me to be in the cult. I think they wanted me to start a cult. But yeah, like hip, the hippie scene and stuff. That's where it starts. I feel like it all comes from like the hippie scene, and that's why I like this like heavy metal hippie vibe to this movie because uh, it gets really weird and you feel like you're tripping in a lot of this, especially the, the scene, Kat, you're talking about the the Michael Jackson black and white face <laughs> uh, going back and forth. That, yeah. that part was really cool and psychedelic. Uh, I thought everything was so tastefully done. Every single effect, as gaudy as it was, was just the right amount. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not only like trippy to watch, but a lot of this movie is about acid. Right. Everyone in this movie is on acid because the uh, the cult and this black skull motorcycle gang, they all kind of deal with this acid maker, this like obscure out in the crazy uh, mad scientist acid maker. And he has dosed the black skull gang. The chemist. Yeah. The chemist has dosed the gang with some kind of crazy drug that's kind of like part of why they're out in the woods and they're so crazy it's turned them into like total sadists they love and uh, the acid comes in like a giant beaker and it's, it looks like a like a green <laughs> shake it looks like some sort of <laughs> some sort of protein shake that you would make at home right. and they just guzzle it it's an avocado smoothie it looks like an avocado <laughs> smoothie and they it's just like, yeah it's a metaphor for like starbucks it. yeah uh, and then when you get to their uh their place where the black skulls lived i don't know if you guys noticed like how much they like chinese takeout the whole kitchen is all Chinese takeout. That's Same. where the reality. Like they're, they're watching porn. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> oh, where it gets course, like really yeah. gritty. Yeah. But also, what's up with like them dropping the acid in Mandy's eye mm. and then pulling a wasp? That's awesome. That's a real wasp. A gigantic yeah. wasp. Yeah. Well, not not the wasp in the, the movie, size of like a baseball. It's a Florida wasp, right? And no. And stinging her with that. Yeah. Yeah. That's that that wasp actually exists. It's like. Uh, South African wasp or something. I, I don't remember, but I read about it. But that they, they grow to like three inches or something. Uh, to circle back to the chemist scene, I thought the chemist himself was one of the most likable characters in Richard this Brake. movie. He was, he was great. And I think what struck me the most about that scene is he was basically just having a monologue because Nick Cage didn't say anything that entire scene. He, the chemist basically just like read what Nick Cage was thinking and just said it out loud and then released his tiger into the world. I thought that scene was Yeah, yeah was that great. was great. Yeah. I wouldn't say powerful, Lizzie. but I thought it was a very <laughs> good scene. Tiger's name was Lizzie. Oh, man, they did you wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, obviously. That's how I do. So it rolls up here, like covered in blood. Like, they did you wrong, brother. <laughs> Um, the Black Skulls really suck at securing their captives. Really bad. I noticed they're not really good. bad. They're good at getting the captive. They can mm-hmm. kidnap you very easy, but they can't hold you that good. I mean, people are escaping all over through this movie. I thought that it didn't take much to well, they must have get the upper hand. That much peripheral vision. They have all the masks on. Right. They're high on this acid, and there's like a, a whole pile of cocaine in their. Uh, they live like in, oh, in a trailer. They're like it. after the kill with. <laughs> Nicholas Cage is a big bump mm-hmm. before. Bump. Well, like Cage, it's so real. Hinting. It's just like, oh, he's just a white trash dude that lives in a, like in the middle of the woods, and he's just gonna they're, fucking. They're get hinting all the whole time him. that like Nick Cage is like recovering. Yeah, and there's like hints yes. that he was like, because uh, this is 1983, like you said. He turns down the beer that he's like a a, a nom vet. Yes, and yes. Reaper. and then he just starts like boozing and taking huge amounts of cocaine, and it's just like, I mean. Yeah, it's it's. I, I it's loved the scene Cage where uh, where Red just dips his finger in the the avocado shake acid, yeah. and he just like barely touches it to his tongue, and immediately Beow. goes on like well, the craziest the, the trip. bathroom yep. scene that Cat was talking about. I mean, he's guzzling booze and then pouring booze on a wound, mm-hmm. and like, and even in the previous movie we talked about, Color Out of Space, there's a scene where. He has like this scaly skin. He's starting to like succumb to the color, and he dips his fingers in the bourbon mm. and just rubs it. Yeah, on his yeah, arm. right. Yeah, like yeah. there's a lot of parallels to like his performances in these two movies. Did anyone think of uh, Antichrist when Mandy comes a- upon the dead fawn in the woods? Mm. Oh, I good thought call. that was very. I did not, but yeah, good very call. chaos reigns. I thought that the 
barbed wire gag oh, and, and, no. and hand oh, yeah. restraints. Mm. Was, I was really surprised. I was like, wow, something I've not seen in a horror movie before. Uh, you see the barbed wire? That's very theological. The like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The they thorns, had barbed yeah. wire back in BC or AD or whatever. Well, the crown of thorns would be the barbed wire. Have Ace That's, Hardware yeah. back in Zero? Do you guys have a, a favorite planet? Because they talk about, there's a little bit of like Earth, a, a cosmic horror in this. Mm. Earth. <laughs> Kevin, do you have a favorite planet? Pluto. Cat? Uranus. Oh! No! It's a butt joke. <laughs> I can't believe it took that long. I was, <laughs> Two like, seconds. They talk about their favorite planets in this, and no spoiler, but there is the other thing that I love about this. It's, it's hinted that this is like essentially cosmic horror. Mm. at some point in the movie and I love the ending that for sure it's so otherworldly but at the same time it's still so gritty it's still like trailers and, and Chinese takeout and piles of cocaine and mm. bad acid but at the same time it, it does get you into this like trippy kind of otherworldly stuff I love the groveling of the cult leader at the end oh yes, yes. Uh, the mix yes. between I'll high posting yep. high posting and then like I'll suck your dick I'll give you a so, blowjob <laughs> I, I don't did care you guys, did you guys see uh, Menace to Society yeah same exact scene as Menace to Society when the crackhead is begging the guy I'll suck your dick for a cheeseburger he must that must be a direct reference he must have seen that movie I will say there are well, I think there's that very um, iconic scene where he's just screaming, you ripped my shirt over and over again. Because Love it's that. that really sad moment where he's taken Mandy's shirt, the 44, and that was put his it shirt. on. That she, but she was wearing it. Like, they show, But they show the flashback where he's wearing that shirt when he mm-hmm. first meets her. But then that was the one she was wearing when, they, oh, when she got kidnapped. Right, right, right. And yes. then they took it off and, you know, the things happened. Um, yes. So it was just that moment where he's just running through, just cocained out. You ripped my shirt. You ripped my. That's my favorite shirt. He's just like screaming. Um, but I will say, I think the scariest thing about this movie, maybe the most horrific, was the uh, the shag carpet in the bathroom. Oh, I, I thought wow. the scariest thing in this movie was the Cheddar Goblin. Oh, the Cheddar <laughs> Goblin! Was that real? There's a there's no, a TV no, commercial for real. the Cheddar Goblin. Yeah, because when know. he goes to see Carruthers <laughs> oh and get the crossbow, yeah. there's a box of Cheddar Goblin mac and cheese. I feel like he wow. was still, even though he went wow. to see the guy that is, uh, it's a very stereotypical character that doesn't want to talk to anybody, stay away. And then he, he has goes fuck inside. you on, on his door. He's got fuck you on the door. Uh, and he gets in there, and he's the only That's guy that's okay to get through. And, uh, like, the weapons, I, mean, I feel like he was ill-equipped. He had two arrows. I know. And he made a, a weird axe. <laughs> yeah. It took him. It must have taken him two or three days to make this axe. No, it was no, like it two or three minutes. Montage. Yeah. It <laughs> yeah. was quick, but, I mean, I felt like some time elapsed there. And then he just goes with this axe, which he does use very well, Um he and does two expertly. arrows. Yeah. I will say, Trent, I was with you on thinking that the Cheddar Goblin was a real thing. Or, yeah, I didn't know because if it was... when I was watching it with Nick, where we watched it together, it was very romantic. Good, good. Um, all the time. He was. He, I was like, when does this movie take place? Was it like the seventies or eighties? I was like, what? Well, Cheddar Goblin's on the TV. When did that happen? And he looks at me. He's like. That's not a real thing. He's like, that's for the movie. And I'm like, oh, no, I knew, yeah, no, yeah, uh-huh, 83. 83. No, that's when it came out. I didn't know that um, Cosmatos, his dad, made a whole bunch of movies. And I think, Kevin, you and I talked about um, Senior Cosmatos on the Patreon when we uh, talked about it's uh, Leviathan. His dad made Leviathan. Really? What? His, his dad made was a sculptor. His dad made First Blood. Wow. No, no, no. The second one. Rambo, too. Oh, I'm sorry. His Which dad made Rambo. It was the over-the-top one. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Was it the humble, like, in hiding yeah, the Yeah, no. His thing? dad made Rambo, First Blood Part 2, uh, and a bunch of other action movies. So he comes from- uh, uh, The other Stallone one, Cobra. And um, that's where um, Carruthers. That's what Carruthers was in, like, I think, Cobra or Commando, he, maybe? He also like, made- No, he made Tombstone. Yes. Wow. Tombstone's yeah. great. Yeah. So um, this guy comes from- some serious film background. The music on this was done by Johan Johansson. This was the last film that he scored before he died. Um, and it was taking a whole bunch of drugs and flu medicine. And he died very young in 2018. 
Um, he did uh, a whole bunch of, of movie scores, but Mother uh, was one of them. I also love the fact that uh, in Mandy, like when they're trying to figure out where she lives and she gives it up by saying, oh, yeah, we live down by Crystal Lake. Ah, that was great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. Really good. uh, Really good horror Easter egg. You mentioned the new upcoming Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The older woman of the cult in this movie, the cult hag, is playing as Sally Hardesty. Oh, she plays Sally Bye. Hardesty in the new yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You mean uh, Glenn Close, but no cigar? Oh, Again. son of a bitch. The biggest thing about Mandy is um, I love the movie, but I honestly think that making... This is one of the few movies I've watched where I think that making the movie would have been more fun than watching the movie. I would say this is one of my favorites of the past few years. And this is on Shudder right now, uh, as well as The Color Out of Space. So you could watch both movies on Shudder. They're both on VOD also as well. Yeah. 